Lions is Pastor Anthony Scott, and it is my privilege to welcome you again to the Word for Life podcast. Well, we're up to the third episode in our podcast, and we're going to change the pace up just a little bit today. But before we do that, I want to invite you and ask you to please rate, review, subscribe, follow our podcast so that we can be found in the massive database that is podcast. Again, I am so pleased and so privileged that out of all the podcasts, out of all the music that you could have listened to, you have chosen today to join us in the Word for Life podcast. Friends, as I mentioned, I elected to slow the pace down today. Sometimes sermons can go so fast and we often miss important things that are for our life. So today, I want you to buckle up your seatbelt, meet me at Starbucks, and let's have a discussion over a cup of coffee, over a cup of tea. I just want to talk today. It's not a sermon. It is not a Bible study. It is simply a conversation about the little things. Go ahead, order your coffee, get your tea ready, do whatever you need to do. Let's have this conversation about the little things. Well, that's all for now. Let's go into episode three of the Word for Life podcast, The Little Things. That's all for now. We'll talk soon. The fact of the matter is that many of us have constantly lived beneath the potency, potential, and promises of our lives. We have seemingly become content in living in a place called almost. We are living with a portion of who we are, who we've been destined to be, who we are trying to be, and who we desire to be. And more often than not, we will sacrifice the chore of the promise for the comfort of the portion. I don't want you to miss that. We'll sacrifice the chore of the promise for the comfort of the portion. Because the reality is that when we are chasing after the promise of God for our lives, in life, in business, in relationship, or whatever, there is no promise without a chore being the work, being the backside of the mountain, the grit, the grind the ups and the downs. There is no promise without the chore, i.e. the work of it. And there are many of us who continuously live underneath the privilege and potential of our life because we are comfortable and we don't want to move and we don't want to go to the next level and we don't uh, want to rattle the boat or shake the fence, if you will because we are comfortable where we are. But it's important for us to understand that if I am comfortable, I don't need faith. Faith uh, is here to get us through the things that make us uncomfortable. That's why if you notice, whenever you get ready to go to the next level, the, the next dimension of your life, it is never without resistance because God did not come for our comfort. He came for our crisis. Did you hear me? It is that Jesus did not come for our comfort. He came for our crisis. The Bible is very clear 
Jesus is very clear in what he comes from. He says, I did not come for those that do not need healing. I did not come for those who are Jesus' 13th disciple, but I came for those who are broken. I came for those who are battered. I came for those who have no hope. When all else has failed, they can try Jesus. And so Jesus is here for our crisis. He is not here for our comfort. And it's important for us to understand that if we're ever going to be everything that God has intended for us to be, it is always going to come with resistance. So again, we can never sacrifice the chore of the promise for the comfort of our portion because God did not intend for us to live with a portion of who we are but rather he intended for us to live in the fullness of who he created us to be. So we must never be comfortable living in a place called almost. And regrettably, that's where many of us are. We live in a place called almost. I am almost healed. I am almost delivered. I'm almost starting my business. I'm almost writing the book. I'm almost this and I'm almost that. And it appears to me that sometimes we are surrounded by people who are also living in the same place called almost. And so the problem with many of us is that we never have a problem starting anything. We can start many things. Our problem is the wherewithal and the patience it takes to finish what we start. If you think back in your mind and recollect and recall, even for just a few moments, you could think in your life about all the many things that you started. Started the workout plan, and this was going to help me lose 20 pounds. And I started writing the vision, and I was making it plain, but I did not finish it because fear crept in, or I didn't have the time to do it. And so we're living in a place called almost. We we we're right on the cusp of where God wants us to be. And when you're living in a place called almost, it can be tricky because it looks like the promise. <laughs> but it's just almost. And so the truth of the matter is, is that almost is very tricky. Almost is very tricky because almost is an illusion that is designed to make you content with halfway. I, I don't want you to miss this stuff. Almost is an Ill- illusion that is designed to make you content with halfway. This idea of the little things, it, it, it is the things in our life. The Bible tells us that it is the little foxes that destroy the vine. And the reality is that whether we like to admit it or not, um, the church has a bad habit. The church has a bad habit of classifying sin. We have a bad habit of classifying sin, and so we have put together our own pecking order or our own charted list on what is a small sin and what is a medium sin and what is a big sin. But the reality is that there is no classification. Sin is in fact sin. And so you cannot classify it and you cannot camouflage it and you cannot put a band-aid on it and we cannot put it in a pecking order because sin is sin. And the reality is that the only way that we're going to get the victory over the sin in our lives is if we learn how to master the little things. 
And, and, and I hope as we're having this dialogue and this discussion, because remember, we're just sitting in uh, Starbucks right now having a cup of coffee. I don't, I don't know what you're drinking, but me, myself, I'm drinking a uh, caramel macchiato, you know, upside down. And so <laughs> while I'm drinking this macchiato, I want you to understand that sin never starts with the sin. It always starts with the little fox. It always starts with the little thing at the foundation um, as we let things slip and we let things go. And the reality is this. I want you to listen very closely. The reality is this, is that many people think if I flirt but don't fall, I've won. Many people think if I flirt but don't fall, I've won. In other words, if I'm flirting with my little thing, if I'm flirting with my issue, if I'm flirting with my struggle, if I'm flirting with whatever it is that I deal with internally, but I don't succumb to my flirting, i.e. I don't actually go all the way in for the sin, many people count that as a win. And to each his own. You can count it as a win if you want. I'm not telling you that you cannot count it as a win. What I am telling you is, is that you can only flirt with your little thing for so long before your flirt turns into a fall. You understand, if you are in a relationship and you start flirting and talking to a person, if you talk to them long enough, eventually your flirt will turn into a fall. Now, maybe you won't go all the way in. Some people know how to hold themselves and pull themselves back. But remember, by the way, we're in Starbucks having an honest conversation. We've, you know, um, we've got to learn this idea um, of to thine own self be true. And so you've got to know who you are. And most of us, by and large, can't flirt without falling. So you've got to be careful in knowing who you are and knowing what you can and cannot handle. Because when you know what you can and cannot handle, then you can keep yourself from falling into the traps of the enemy and the schemes of the devil. Um, because the reality is that flirting really is the conception of your fall. Flirting is the conception of your fall. So when I start flirting, it is like me being impregnated with the child of fall. I'm being impregnated with the child of sin. Because once I open the door with the flirt, my fall almost becomes imminent. Am I saying that you cannot pull yourself back? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Some people can flirt and pull themselves back, but by and large, if you flirt long enough, your fall is imminent and definite. And the reality is that it's hard not to desire the entree after the sample. I've got to do what I have to do to keep myself away from the sample. The problem is not in the entree. The problem is in the sample. Because by and large, when you're trying to live for God, we don't go from salvation to the entree. We go from salvation to the sample to the entree. And so the sample is the problem. So if I can master how to keep myself, oh my God, from taste testing the sample, then I won't walk into the entree. Because it's the sample that titillates my temptation. It starts with the sample. And so if I were you, like I tell myself every day of my natural life, Anthony, master how to stay away from the sample. 
None of us, none of us, nobody listening to nobody listening to this podcast is perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us cross every I and dot every T. And so every now and then you've got to re-examine, redirect, and refocus yourself and get yourself back on track when you feel yourself sampling the temptations of your life. You got to get yourself back on focus because, again, if I sample it long enough, the entree is imminent. It is the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that are uh, throwing us off focus. It's the little things that are throwing us off where we are supposed to be and where we are trying to be. So if we could learn how to handcuff and arrest the little foxes, then we can control and keep everything else together, all right? So we've got to learn how to master these little things in our life because the little things in our life is the substratum or the foundation, if you will, of sin. Everything is birth. Everything is birth out of the little things that go unchecked. I want you to listen to this. An unchecked thought becomes an uncontrollable temptation. Did you hear what I just said to you? An unchecked thought becomes an uncontrollable temptation. And the issue with many of us is that, you know, the mind is uh, the crux of everything that we do. And we have to learn how to master this idea of uh, guiding our thinking and guarding our mind. Because we all know if I, I can think myself into sin, I can think myself into poverty, I can think myself into disgust, I can think myself into disgrace, I can think myself into pornography, I can think myself into adultery, I can think myself into fornication. We just, Don't get nervous, we're just at Starbucks talking. But we understand that everything begins and start in the mind, starts in the mind. So if I have a thought and I don't check it, bring my mind back into captivity under control, if I don't check my thought, it will grow and become an uncontrollable temptation. And once I get myself to an uncontrollable temptation, my sin, my fall is imminent. It is almost definite because I did not check my thoughts at the door. I didn't check my thoughts at the door. And, and, and this is where we are in the church because many people don't realize when we look at the fall of our leaders and we look at the fall of those that we admire, that we aspire to be, and that we look up to, we look at the fall. But we did not look at the little things where it started. We did not check that particular issue. Because the reality is, is that many times when we have the fall that the multitude hears about, it started with a vacancy internally. But we did not do our due diligence in our work to fill the void on the inside, so we lost the victory on the outside. Did you hear what I just said to you? When you're not careful about filling the void on the inside, you will lose the victory on the outside. Because when I don't feel the void on the inside, I will seek to fill it with something else. And when I feel the internal void with sin, it's only a matter of time before my inward sin becomes an outward 
publication. It becomes an outward things that people share about you. And so we've got to learn how to master these little things and these internal things lest we lose the victory externally. Well, Pastor, how do I lose the victory externally, whether you want to admit it or not, that when we uh, become known, when our private things become public, you have in a sense, lost the victory. I know many people will claim, I don't care what people think about me. They can think what they want to think, and I'm grown. I can do what I want to do. That's fine. You can have that attitude, but the problem I have with it is that we ought never be comfortable allowing our wickedness to ruin our witness. Friends, I hope up to this point you are enjoying the Word for Life podcast and this discussion on the little things. I want to take just a few moments to say to you that if you are ever in the Houston area or surrounding areas, please feel free to join us at the Word of Life Church. I want to tell you it would absolutely be our honor for you to come and worship with us. We want to love on you. We want to worship and praise and dance with you and let you know that whatever you're going through, you are not alone. You are never by yourself, but there is a band of believers who have been through the storm and the rain. We are looking to connect with you that that our worship can collide with your worship, that the glory of God might fall. So again, if you're ever anywhere near the Houston area, join us at the Word of Life Church. It's 830 Turning Drive, Houston, Texas, 77038. Look forward to seeing you anytime you're in the Houston area. Let's go back into this dialogue, this discussion over this cup of coffee, the little things. I'll be back soon. Do you hear what I just said? We ought never be comfortable with allowing our wickedness to ruin our witness. The most important thing you have in your spiritual walk is your witness. I say all the time that there are some people in your life, in your sphere of influence, that the only Bible they will ever read is your life. The only Bible they will ever read is your behavior. The only Bible they will ever read is the language that comes out of your mouth. Would you consider that for a moment and repeat after me? I am someone's Bible. Oh my God. It's so heavy when you think about it. You are someone's Bible. And I know what you're saying, PA. I don't want that kind of pressure because I know myself. If if I am someone's Bible, I'm going to lead them straight to hell. Listen, you're not going to lead them straight to hell when you master what? The little things. Master the little things. And as people begin to read chapter number one of your life and chapter number two of your life and chapter number three of your life, when they start reading your Bible, they will understand that it's not about praise break and dancing, but I'm watching this individual deal with the little things because, again, Dealing with the little things do not mean that you are without struggle, that you are without burdens, that you are without pain. But individuals will watch how you deal with struggle. And if I endure hardness, the Bible says, as a good soldier, who's to say what God will do for you? Make no mistake, beloved, my beloved brothers and sisters, that the multitude hears about the big. But they don't understand that the big was birthed in little. That's why we must master 
the little things. It is that every explode starts with an implode. Three things that we need to make sure and ensure that we master the little things. I'll give all three to you and then we'll go back and dialogue and discuss about them. A, we need to master the little things in marriage. Or if you just want to say relationship. Master the little things in money. Master the little things in ministry. So let's go back up with marriage. One of the premier issues I believe we have in marriage, I experienced in my first marriage, is that many times we have a struggle because we're mastering the monument of marriage, but we're missing the moments that matter. Wow. We're mastering the monuments of marriage, but we're missing the moments that matter. And so do you know what today is? It's our anniversary. And so I go big or go home. Today you're turning 20. Today you're turning 30. Today you're turning 35. Today you're turning 40. Today you're turning 50. Today you're turning 60. So we got the surprise party. and We've got to drive by. Y'all remember during the pandemic. And uh, we got the party that we've come. And we've rented out the venue. And we've got all of your family and your friends here. It's a big deal. It's Valentine's Day. And so we got the hearts for you. And I got the big teddy bears for you. And we're going out to the fancy restaurants. But what do we we do when it's just Tuesday and you've had a bad day. It's the little things. What do you do when you've got a billion things on your mind, but I'm too busy to listen? It's the little things. What do you do when my heart is crying out for you and you think I'm just being soft and sensitive? So you shoot me off. It's the little things. What do I do when I feel like I'm doing my best, but it seems like my best isn't good enough? Can, can, can I just get some reassurance? It's the little things. And we have a problem because we want the monuments to stick through the years. But life is filled with so many swift transitions. And what do I do when I've had a bad day at work and all I want to do is tell you about it? I don't need a solution. I don't need you to offer an answer. I just want you to listen. It's the little things. But no, remember, I did the big thing for you for our anniversary. I threw you the big birthday party. Remember for Valentine's Day, I took you on the cruise. But what about when it's Thursday? And I just feel like I don't look good to you anymore. It's the little things. Because the truth of the matter is that the present makes me smile. But your presence makes me satisfied. The present makes me smile, but your presence makes me satisfied. So what do you want 
in our marriage. You want me to smile when I don't feel like it? Or do you want me to be satisfied? And all these things can only happen if we learn how to master the little things. And again, none among us are uh, a subject uh, subject matter expert. None of us are experts. But I think that we ought to spend more time trying to be intentional in mastering the little things in our marriage. That when I can't do the monuments, I can at least do the little things. When my money is funny and my change is strange, I can hold you. (laughs) And so the questions we got to ask ourselves is, can we be content when all I have to offer (laughs) are the little things? Because life has been tough, life has been rough, and we've gone through a pandemic, and we're giving money here, and we're giving money there, and I'm giving money over there, and now it's your birthday, and I can't afford a monument, but I can give you a moment. Because the truth of the matter is, a great gift can't bandage a broken heart. And the trouble that many of us have is that we're trying to buy ourselves out of being a spouse. And you cannot buy yourself out of being a spouse because you don't make enough money. <laughs> you don't make enough money to buy yourself out of being a spouse. I know there's somebody on here right now. Say, Pastor Anthony Lamar Scott, you can say what you want to say, but I'll take some gifts. <laughs> but there are many people that live in a mansion and they're miserable. Driving a foreign car and they have nowhere to go. So we've got to learn how to master the little things in marriage. You gain weight, you feel like you don't look pretty anymore, you feel like you've lost it. My brother, you gained pregnancy weight with your wife when she was pregnant. You gained weight. Now you don't look like you used to look in high school. What is a little thing I can do when your wife walks by? A touch on the shoulder rest of the hair, a kiss on the cheek. It's the little things. Because many of us live in a place where we just need one word to keep us going from day to day. I just, I'm, I'm dealing with so much in life. I've got this on the job. I've got this at home, trying to raise these kids. I got to clean this house. I'm pulled over here. I'm pulled over there. Is there anybody else that can reassure me that I am little things that I may not have a lot of money in my pocket but on my way home I stop at Sonic and get your favorite drink because although it's a little thing it's a simple gesture it lets you know that I thought about you 
It's the little things. So I want you to consider in your marriage, in your relationship, what are some little things that you can be more intentional at doing for your spouse? Secondly, we got to correct the little things in our money. Again, none among us are subject matter experts, especially Anthony Lamar Scott. But a budget without discipline is poverty. You've got to get out of the idea, out of the idea of being hood rich. <laughs> We've got to get out of the idea in having more on us than we have in us. We've got to get out of the idea in driving in something that costs more in where we live. Got to be careful at fixing the little things and spending money that we don't have. Here's a thought. It's not the big things anyway that ruin our money because the big things we have to pay for are tied to a contract. <laughs> your mortgage, your rent, your car note, your insurance is tied to a contract. That's not what eats up your money. You know it's there. What eats up your money are the little things. It's the little things that eats up our overage in finance. It's not the big things. The big things are on contract. We know we have to pay for them. Every month on the 1st, the 15th, the mortgage is due, the rent is due, something is due. You already know that exists because it's in the contract. What's not in the contract is the little things. It's going to the mall and walking in the mall and looking at something in the mall and saying, oh, it's only $20. Oh, my goodness, look at that. It's only $20. Man, that's fresh. That's really nice. It's only $20. Not understanding that if I tell myself it's only $20 five times, I've now spent $100. <laughs> Every day when we fail to prepare to bring our lunch to work, and every day we tell her, oh, I'm going to get lunch today. Oh, yeah, lunch is only $10. It's fine. Not understanding that if I eat out $10 every day in that two weeks, I've now spent. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so now I've got $200 of my overage is gone. And I look at my bank account, and I'm like, where's the money at? What happened to it? It's not the big things. It's the little things that we have to tighten up. And so we've got to figure out how to pay more attention to mastering the little things. And it goes back to what I was talking about in marriage. It's really all about being intentional. I became a creature, a creature of habit about four years ago. Four years ago, I became a creature of habit. I started meal prepping every single week. Every week without fail, I became a creature of habit. I made myself every week. Baked chicken, green beans. Every week, I ate the same thing. Five days a week, every day at school, I ate the same thing. I was intentional. And so I shedded weight very quickly. My bank account flourished because every day, 
I became a creature of habit. I ate the same thing every day. I had more money than I ever had at that time. Why? Because I was not eating up my overage. I mastered the little things. And so then my health and my wealth prospered. Stick with me. And I noticed that every time I don't meal prep, <laughs> obviously because I have to eat, I eat out. And when I eat out, I gain weight. My health, oh my God, is married to my will. And if you haven't noticed, in most states and most cities, the healthy food is attached and tied to where you live. Drive down Martin Luther King Boulevard <laughs> in any city, in any state, and tell me if you see a salada. Drive down Martin Luther King Boulevard, Martin Luther King Drive, Martin Luther King Avenue, and tell me if you see a La Madeleine, a salad joint. Tell me if you see a farmer's market on MLK. Your health is tied to your wealth. You've got to master the little things. Lastly, and then I'll bid you adieu, ministry. I'm ashamed to admit that I believe that we have a Ph.D. in church and we flunked out of the school of life. We, we can do church, but we can't do life. And so we understand etiquette, but we're not being edified. We understand protocol, but we're missing our purpose. We know how to dance, but we don't know how to be disciplined. We got a PhD in church and a GED in life. And it all goes back to the little things. Because your ministry is birthed out of your private life. If your ministry is not birthed out of your private life, you are performing. You are not doing ministry. God did not call us to perform. He called us to be powerful. Because performance does not destroy the yoke. I'm, I'm not talking about your charisma. I'm not talking about your pizzazz. I'm not talking about your zeal. The question is, can you be at home who you are at church? And if I can go back up and tie that into ministry, uh, into, into our first point, marriage, we'll understand that your first ministry is always home. Can I drop a bomb to somebody watching, to somebody listening rather, listening rather on here? I got to drop a bomb. That you going to the church convention with your wife, your spouse, is not a vacation. No. That's church. You going to the convention and the conference, that's not a vacation. Just because it's in Florida, but you're in church the whole time and you never go to the beach and let your hair down, it's not vacation. That's church. 
And so we've got to do a better job at taking more vacations, not simply just working on our vocation. I often ask myself, Anthony, if you were a mentor, what would you drill into your mentee? And the answer is always resounding. If you work on your life, you won't have to work that hard on your sermon. If you work hard on your life, you won't have to work too hard on your Bible lesson. Because your life is the sermon, and you use words only when necessary. It was once quoted. Preaching, ministering, speaking, singing is only an outward expression of my internal lifestyle. List the little things. And I'm sad to report in a translucent, transparent moment that if I can go back and if today's Anthony could preach to yesterday's Anthony, I would tell him, if I could mentor young Anthony, I would tell him, spend less time on your sermon and more time on your salvation. Spend less time working on your sermon and more time working on your salvation. Because the reality is this, anyone can follow a recipe and make a meal, but only a chef can create from scratch. Likewise, and in similar fashion, anyone can preach, but only the anointing will destroy the yoke. So we've got to master the little things. Even when you're doing simply just ministry, even with ministry, the little things matter. My wife makes fun of me all the time because I am borderline obsessive compulsive disorder. I am borderline OCD. And the little things drive me crazy. And my wife messes with me all the time. My family messes with me all the time because the littlest things throw me completely off base. I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast is like that. Maybe you can identify with me. Please, wherever you're listening from, say amen and let me know that I am not the only one. But the littlest piece of paper on the floor will cause me not to be able to think clearly. One door left slightly open and I can't think I can barely breathe I can barely move because the little things in ministry have the biggest impact can I tell you something pastor I don't know where you're listening from I hope you are listening by the way if you're listening they didn't join your church because you can preach They join your church because you love them or somebody in the church loves them. It's the little things. I'm not saying that your preaching doesn't matter. It does matter. 
Good preaching will keep them there. Good preaching will edify. Good preaching will build. Good preaching will make them curious and go find it in the word for themselves. Preaching is necessary. I am not saying that preaching is not necessary. What I am saying is that the little things keep people at your church. The role that they play, the position that they have, the importance that they have to the ministry, it makes them stay. Because transformation is always in the details. I want to give you this last little nugget. When doing ministry, think with the mind of the unbeliever, but lead with the mind of the bishop. Think with the mind of the unbeliever, but lead with the mind of the bishop. That when I am doing ministry, I must have the unbeliever at heart. I'll be honest, when I first started pastoring, I made a grave mistake. Regrettably, I made a grave mistake when I first started pastoring. The grave mistake I made when I first started pastoring, I believe that everybody at the church I pastored grew up like me. So when I was preaching, I would say, you know the story of Noah. You know the story of Moses and the children of Israel. You know about Jesus when he was on the cross. You know about Elijah when he dropped the double portion to Elisha. You, you, you know I made the grave mistake of expecting everyone to know what I knew. And I didn't master the little things. I didn't take the time to teach about Noah and to teach about Moses, and to teach about Jesus, and to teach about Elijah and Elisha. I expected them to know because I knew. And it's important that we start with the little things so that people know how to defend their faith. So we've got to master the little things in marriage, master the little things in money, master the little things in ministry. There are so much more I can go, but I'm done. I want to ask you, what else would you add to the discussion? What other things do we need to master the little things in? What would you add to the conversation? What else would you say? If you sat down to mentor the 20-year-old you, if you sat down to mentor you 10 years ago, what little things would you tell yourself you need to master now so they don't manipulate you yet later? Well, friends, I most certainly hope and pray that you enjoyed this discussion over our cup of coffee today. Wow, the little 
things. I hope that you have gathered some information today that your wheels are turning in your mind, that you are now examining your own life and looking at where you can tighten up the nuts and bolts of the little things. I'll tell you, while I was doing this podcast, I was hitting myself all upside the head. Um, As we used to say back in the day, oops, upside the head. I said, oops, upside the head. I tell you, we got to get better at handling the little things with our salvation, with our marriage, with our money, uh, with everything that we're dealing with in our life. It is important for us to tighten up the little things. Friends, again, let me invite you to subscribe and to like and to review and to rate the Word for Life podcast that we might continue to grow and expand and be discovered in the massive database that is podcast. Friends, I'm so excited again and I look forward uh, to having this podcast with you again next week for episode four. That's all for now. Uh, Hang in there. God is squeezing the life out of you. Whatever you do, stay with God. That's all for now, friends. We'll talk soon.